Parental Advisory. Bring. Mistakes. The boot camp episode actually begins with the trailer, and I had ran into that gentleman who told me that the choice I was making in life was actually a great mistake. I ended up getting on that bus anyway. Bus takes me to MEPS, stay the night there. We took a plane flight to Chicago, land in O'Hare, go to the USO, hang out. People are coming from all over the country. Eventually, it gets to be late enough at the appointed time. I'm not sure when it was. Actually, when you walked into the USO, you had to get, they, you weren't allowed to have tobacco. People were buying a pack of cigarettes, like the last, <laughs> the last cigarette before you get hung, I guess. Any final words? There would be full packs of cigarettes, full cans of dip, whatever. The, you, Gave him your lighter, he gave him his stuff, you sat there, you hung out, eventually everybody showed up, we go and we get on a bus. That bus drives us to Great Lakes in the Navy boot camp there. File off the bus, we rode there, it was complete silence, I think we were all feeling a little bit surreal. Late at night, maybe 11, been traveling all day, got up early in the morning, kind of tired. Walk into this foyer entryway. It's huge. This was the main building there. And on that main building, kind of a side note, the regular people, that includes Navy personnel, but also there was civilian personnel, regular people, non-Navy recruits, they could walk through the center. They could walk right down the middle of the hall. The recruits had to walk along the sides. There was, there was, there was a colored black or blue or red, some non-white tile around the sides. They made the Navy recruits walk if you were in that building on the sides. They're talking to us about that and where we can walk. As we line up into this foyer area, as everybody gets in there, people start giving us speeches, telling us where to walk, etc. Telling us, you have to do what we say, this, your, your asses belong to me now, whatever kind of conversation you would imagine. As this is happening, there's a couple of guys walking around. There's a big group of us. I remember if they broke us up into multiple, I don't know, but at least one bus full in a row, you can imagine a bus full of people, three or four deep, how big of a space does that take? There were several buses too. I don't remember if we all lined up together or what, but there were guys kind of running or walking around the perimeter. A third individual was talking. One of these guys, guy A, walks up to some kid, don't know, in the first row, says, hey, put your hand up. The kid puts his hand up. Guy A continues on his lap around the perimeter. Guy B walks over. Eventually, they're kind of, you know, 
opposite. You're at one corner. I'm in the opposite corner. Hey, what's, what's your hand doing up? Put put your hand down. Guy puts his hand down. A little bit goes by. Guy A walks by again. Didn't I tell you to put your hand up? Put Put your hand up. The kid raises his hand. Guy A walks away. Eventually, guy B walks up. Didn't I already tell you to put your hand down? What are you doing with your hand up? Put your hand down. Kid puts his hand down. Guy A comes back around again. What the fuck, dude? Put your hand up. I told you to put your hand up. Kid puts his hand up. Guy A walks away. At this point, he only gets three, four steps away. He's close. Guy B walks up. What are you doing with your hand up? Put your fucking hand down. Guy A is in earshot. Guy B tells him to put his hand down. Guy puts his hand down. Guy A turns around right then. I just told you to put your hand up. Put your hand up. Guy puts his hand up. As soon as he's raising his hand, Guy B starts yelling at him. I told you to put your hand down. Put your hand down. At the exact same time, he has two different people, one on his left side, one on his right side, shouting one inch from his face. One of them is saying, hey, Put your fucking hand up. And the other one's saying, you better not put that fucking hand up. I remember thinking, I'm so glad I'm not that guy right now. <laughs> what kind of a situation are you in where you can't do the right thing? This is how it's going to be. Okay. I got it. After we walk out of that room, we walk into a room. We take all, I'm pretty sure, I'm not 100%, but I'm pretty sure we took all of our regular clothes off, put them in a box, mailed them. Walked through a different area. They handed us, it was November, the winter time-ish, in Illinois, northern Illinois, north of Chicago. It was cold. They gave us sweatsuits, a navy sweatsuit. I see people in the mall. If you see somebody in a dark blue with kind of a, it's a dark blue and yellow gold circle kind of, rope sort of looking thing that says navy on it you see him every now and again the sweatpants said navy up and down the side on the leg but they gave us the those that that clothing to wear as well as underwear shoes we had the shaving kit the deodorant everybody got the same stuff we got what else did we get a jacket we got our sea bag. We're going through all of this, getting the basic material that you just kind of need to live your life. That's what we were doing. It sucked for me, though. I've never been able to pull off the, if you buy a shirt and it's got a tag on it, I still don't even do it. I just, my wife will, I said, hey, can you take take this tag off? I always use scissors when I have to do it myself. They're, they're shouting at us, hurry up, hurry up, get this tag off, do this, do this. I just sucked at it, so I got in trouble a couple of times for that. But we anyway, we get, that's where we got our clothes. That's where we got our sea bags. I'm not exactly sure of everything and the order of everything. We also did a urine test. That was my first encounter with the Navy piss test where if you didn't have to go, and not everybody did, there was a room, like an administrative room. You walked around the edge of the administrative room, and every time you got to the water fountain, you took a drink. 
take a lap, take a drink, take a lap, take a drink, take a lap, take a drink. This is how it always goes. It never fails. You think maybe I kind of could maybe have to go if I if I think I can. Maybe I can. I'm not sure. Within two minutes, you have to piss your brains out. You've waited too long. Now you're in line with a ton of other people. You're just like, oh, my God. Get to, Come on. Come on. You guys hurry up. You guys hurry up. Everyone else, if you didn't have to go immediately, is pretty much in the same boat. Taking the longest pee ever. We went and did that. That was actually kind of funny, too. They all, they walked, I don't know, 12 of us in. There were 12 urinals, say, take take a step, be five. There was a, a guy there, and he was standing, lined up next to him. Take one step forward, drop your pants all the way to your ankles. You're taking a piss like a little kid. From there, we were shown how to stand three abreast or sit three abreast, I guess. It got to be late at night. Had all our gear. I don't remember if they cut our hair that day or what. That This is all the first several days. Going in, you get a certain amount of shots. You get a physical. Get your hair cut. If you have glasses, you... Have to, they give you a prescription with these, they call them BCGs, birth control glasses. You've seen maybe a military movie. What's that one? Full Metal Jacket. I think they wore them in there. Brown, ugly glasses. Shaved head. Everybody looks the same and goofy. But I remember sitting in this hall late at night. We hadn't been given our barracks yet. Birthing. I don't remember what they called it. Well, we were all tired going to sleep. It's, I don't know, three o'clock in the morning. They made us sit down cross-legged on the floor. My hips hurt so bad from sitting cross-legged. So bad. Eventually somebody would talk one of the Navy people, the, the Navy drill sergeants, I don't know what they're called now, but at the time they were called RDCs, Recruit Division Commanders. One of these RDCs would walk by, hear somebody talking, that's it, everybody stand up. Oh, thank God. After we'd stood maybe 20 minutes, they'd come back 10, 20 minutes. Okay, everybody can sit down now, but if you talk, I'm going to make you stand up again. No, no, please. Please don't make me sit down. I would rather stand. The first few days, I guess that story ends with eventually our RDCs come. It's the morning time. They march us out. Our first march. They march us out. We get in Iraq. We go to sleep maybe an hour. I don't know. Then they call Reveille. This will come up for a different story, I think, but they would do a uniform of the day. Obviously, we couldn't participate yet. Part of this first week, first little bit, you had to go get uniforms. All you had was a sweatsuit. Once you got the uniforms, they would call out uniform of the day. Reveille, Reveille, Reveille. Uniform of the day is, and it was cold for us, they would say, 
sweaters, raincoats with liners, whatever, scarves, masks. We also had, we had scarves, but we also had ski masks. A couple days, we didn't even go anywhere because it was negative 10 degrees. They just canceled every, like, no, nobody go walk around today. That's today. It's too cold. We'll make it up tomorrow. We did have some time to kill. So the first few days, we also had physical evaluations. These physical evaluations, you'd walk in. You'd walk in. They would, everywhere we went, they would say, get nut to butt, get nut to butt. Get as close to the person in front of you in line, and then you'd do all this, and you'd go there, and then you'd just stand there. Hurry up and wait. Then they would run you through a series of tests. There was a a stamp, they called it. A fit-for-full-duty stamp. Get a physical. You get doctor approval to run you through the ringer, get your heart rate up, and you won't collapse and die. Fit-for-full-duty. The first few days, they're telling us how to do this, how to do that. We're going to class. This is how you march. This is how you line up. This is how you eat. When you go in to eat, everything was done by height line. You'd line up. Everybody knew how tall everybody else was. I'm between this guy and that guy because they made you line up a few times the first couple days. They got it all ironed out. Based on that, you would fall into line. This is your spot. You would arrive somewhere. The far left column maybe or the far right column would go first. It depends on which door you were going into. Was it closer to this side or that side? You would file off. Based on where I was, I would either be toward the end or I would be toward the beginning. When I was at the end, I would only have like five minutes to eat, 10 10 minutes to eat. This is what would happen. You would go in. Everybody would get their tray. Everybody would go sit down. When the last person sat down, they would start a clock. You had 10 minutes to eat. I think it was 10 minutes. When you only had five minutes left, the person would come by the table and say, five minutes. Every single person, every single recruit had to raise their hand and say, five minutes. And then continue eating. At the end of the time, they would come up and say, you're done. No matter where you were at eating your food, you had to stand up and leave. They taught us how to do stuff like that before they had this fit for, for before we had the fit for full duty stamp. Obviously, we had to eat still. The point is, as we're going through these classes, we don't have our fit for full duty stamp. They can't tell us, okay, drop and give me 25 push-ups. The whole time they're saying, you guys just wait. You think you're a badass now. You think you can just talk what I'm talking now. You're going to get it. I can promise you that. You're going to get it. One day. One, I guess I need one more point of information here. I was in a male and a female birthing. Well, division. So our birthing, where we slept, our barracks. I might have called it barracks. Our ship. I think they called them ships. Our My ship 
had males and females, how they got this to work. You'd have a sister division or a brother division. Your sister division, all of the males from the two divisions would be in a male birthing. All the females would be in a female birthing. Each birthing had one office. My RDCs had the office in the female. Our sister division had the office in the male birthing. When the RDCs wanted to gather everybody together and have a talk, whatever you're going to do, my, the males, we would shuffle out, go across the hall into the other birthing, the females from 062. I was in 061. I actually just found out that today. I couldn't remember. I'll get into that. 062 would come over the females, and 061, the males would go over there, be in the female birthing. My chief comes in because he's hanging out in his office. The chief comes in and says, hey, good news. You have your fit for full duty stamps. And I'm giving you a fair warning. I know you're not going to listen. Do not talk when I'm talking. Because I'm going to make you pay. Turns around, walks out the door. It's right before lights out. We don't have much time. Everybody was showering and mingling, I guess. <laughs> well, when an RDC was walking into the room, we had E5 and E6s. I think they were supposed to be in E6, then E7s. When one came in, or maybe an officer, I don't remember. I do, but there were two different words. I can't remember. One of them was definitely stand fast. Maybe it was stand by and stand fast and stand fast when the Chiefs came in and stand by when the E6s came in. Could be something like that. Chief walks into the room, stand fast. Everybody immediately stops what they're doing, jumps up, stands at attention, except for one guy. This guy continues to talk. The Chief says, hey, you didn't even make you didn't even make it a day. All right, drop down and give me mountain climbers. Mountain climbers. I didn't even know what mountain climbers were at the time. It's you get down on the floor, you put your you put your arms out in front of you, bend at the waist, put your hands down on the floor, put one foot up by your chest and one foot extended as far out as it can go. Then you jump with your legs and you switch positions. So if you're Left leg was up by your chest and your right leg was out. When you jump in the air, you move your right leg up by your chest and your left leg will be all the way out. Mountain climbers, begin. That's how they said it too. Whatever they told you to do, they'd say begin. The big one was eight counts. An eight count, position one is standing. Position two is squatting with your hands on the ground. Position three is the top of a push-up push up position. Position four is all the way to the bottom of the position. Position five is back up to the top of the push-up position. Six is spreading your legs straddle. Seven, closing them back into the push-up position. Eight is jumping back into the, your, your legs back up into the squatting position. And then one, you're standing again. And they'd go, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight counts. Begin. 
sometimes you just go at your own pace. That was the big calisthenics that we would do. They, they, I didn't know any of that. They had to train me on all that. I didn't know what a mountain climber was until I saw this guy doing it. Dude says, hey, you're talking when I'm talking. First day, first second, I can make you do anything. Do some mountain climbers. Begin. He jumps down on the floor. Puts his left leg out. Puts his right leg up. Does his first mountain climber. And an apple falls out of the pouch <laughs> of his hoodie. Then he does the other one. He does a you know real quick the first two, and an apple falls out the other side. It was like bloop, bloop. Everyone is just standing in silence. Obviously, I don't think I should have to say you're not allowed to take food from the galley. Everybody just you're you're talking when he's talking, and you've done something you shouldn't do. The chief says to him, you're coming with me. Turns around, walks into the other birthing, and the other guy follows him. Dun, 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 dun. Maybe the eerie doo 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 doo. It was like straight out of a movie. When they left, I was dying laughing. What kind of a freaking idiot? The first day, steal some apples and then won't shut up. It's right around lights out time. Lights go out. Dude still isn't over there. He's in the other birthing with our chief. Some time period goes by. It seemed like for forever. Maybe 10, 20 minutes. The door bursts open. The dude, he's crying. And he's shouting and sprinting. Dude. It's not a fucking joke. They're not kidding. Races over to his rack, jumps in straight parallel from the ground from 30 feet away, lands in his rack, curls up in a ball. Again, he sees. I, I was laughing. Yeah, what do you think's going to happen, dude? Got the scripted out. I went a little off script. Forgot something. Little both. <laughs> I did want to cover just a little bit about my RDCs in particular. So I had one guy who was cool. He just, a lot of the other people would just shout at you. Whatever happened, they were just shouting at you. They wouldn't be helpful. They would just shout and be a dick about everything. Then there was one guy who was actually reasonable. Also, the one guy who was reasonable, he tended not to punish the whole group because one guy did one thing once. The other people would say, well, you're you're all in the same division. One person makes a mistake. It's bad for y'all. Then we had, so we had a cool guy. We had a girl. She was just kind of an asshole. But she wasn't as cool as a cool guy. She wasn't as bad is the stupid, we had a dumb guy. This guy was dumb, dumb as a box of rocks. He walked around all the time saying, he, I think he wanted to be tough, you know, and he he was, he looked like a bodybuilder. Like he was clearly a strong guy. I think he was compensating for something, I don't know. But he would walk around always wanting to be tough. You don't know me. 
you don't know me. He had this position of authority where people wanted to be around him or associated with him. He was confusing this desire for people getting to know him because he's the one, if I'm friends with you, you can make my life better. If I'm friends with you, I won't get in trouble. If I'm friends with you, you can let me eat more food. If I'm friends with you, maybe you won't punish me. We had people through, through all walks of life tend to idealize celebrities, podcast hosts, not me, but I was thinking of you know maybe Joe Rogan or one of these big guys where you don't know them, but you kind of feel like you do because you've seen them on TV, you've heard them talk. It's the same way when you're one of, I don't remember how many people were in my boot camp division, say 150 and one guy's up there talking. People say, oh, I kind of want to get to know that guy. I feel like I know him, but he doesn't know who you are. I was hiding in the back. I didn't say anything at all. The Navy stands for never again volunteer yourself. I also learned that in boot camp, but I was smart enough when I got there to know I didn't want to volunteer. Probably not smart enough, but told. I, and I tend, if I don't know why someone's telling me to do something, but they've lived the experience, I tend to just kind of take their advice <laughs> instead of saying, you don't know what you're talking about. I say, well, you've been there and I haven't. I'm just going to kind of do what you say. You say don't volunteer, I'm not going to volunteer. Yeah, so this guy, he always wanted to be tough. You, know, you, you don't know me, you don't know me. And he, like, he bragged. He was an E5. The girl, she was an E6. The cool dude was an E6. Then we had the chief that was E7. Those were our four guys. He would brag about, well, I'm a... Oh, you better not, you better not do that to me. You better not say that to me because I'm so tough. I'm so tough and I'm so cool. Everybody wants to be me and I'm so strong. And I got, I got, I'm an E5 right now because I got busted down for beating up a recruit. I guess, again, he, he, he was just a fucking idiot. I don't know why you would brag about being an idiot, but that's like, that's his mentality was, it's cool for me to be ranked lower than everybody else because I'm tough, which makes no sense. And then there was the chief, and the chief the chief was just a funny guy. That kid who had the apples drop out of the room, or the, the apples drop out of the hoodie, that kid was always talking. The whole time he would never shut up. The chief walked in, everybody else stand fast. This dude, maybe he's deaf, I don't know. He just keeps talking. One day, the chief walks in, the dude's talking. He says, you know, you're a parrot. I'm going to start, from now on, your name is Parrot. Everybody kind of laughed, and he says, and if you're going to talk like a parrot, then you can act like a parrot. Get down. Makes the guy squat squat down like a catcher and take a nap in the, a lap around some racks in this kneeling, squatting position. While he's doing it, he says, no, no, put your arms up by your chest, you know, bend your elbows, flap your little wings, flap your wings. So Parrot, he's doing this squatting and he's flapping his wings. Then the chief says, 
Every time I come in, that's what you do. When they yell stand fast, I don't want you to stand fast. I want you to get down, start flapping your wings, and walk around the room. So for the rest of the boot camp, every time the chief came in, this kid had to squat down and flap his wings. The chief, that chief who was funny, he would also say, you're used to calling a sir or a ma'am to an adult or maybe coach if you played sports. Obviously, you're not going to call on accident your RDC coach. You're supposed to call them petty officer or chief, which stands for chief petty officer. Well, that's not ingrained in, in you yet. That's why you're in boot camp to learn this. He might ask you a question. You'd respond and say, yes, sir. I'm not a sir. I'm a chief. Yes, chief. Sorry, chief. Yeah, you are. <laughs> that always made me laugh. So that was, uh, that was a little bit about our RDC's inspections. The rest of the show is going to cover topically, not chronologically, basically why we were there. Yeah, okay, we did some hell stuff. Went to the dentist. A lot of people had their wisdom teeth pulled, that sort of a thing. We worked on inspections, learning, learning to follow orders, basically. We had little lockers next to our racks. They had to be set up just a certain way. People would walk in while we were gone, give us inspections. We had uniform inspections. During the uniform inspection, they would ask you a question. What is the rank of an chief, a senior chief petty officer? E8. To memorize some stuff like that. We also had a physical, I put it under inspections, it is to me, I can see it might not be too, I don't know why I'm, I'm really, uh, I overthink things. That's a nuke, that's a nuke deal. They always say 50, 50, 90. I don't know if I've covered that. But they always say 50, 50, 90, which means that there's a 50, 50 chance 90% of the time you get it wrong because you way overthink it. And now I'm overthinking why I put physical fitness in the inspections as if anyone actually cares. No, they don't. I'm sorry. Sorry for even doing that to you. Physical fitness test. At the end, before you could actually graduate, you had to pass the physical fitness test, which is based off your age. You had to weigh less than a certain amount, which was based off your height. Based off your age, you had to do a certain amount of push-ups, run a mile and a half in a certain amount of time, certain amount of sit-ups too. We did physical training for that. Those were, I've lumped that under the uh, inspection sections. I have a test to pass. We went through these different classes, learned the jargon. Skivvies means underwear, for example. I think we had three tests we had to pass. We'd travel around and go to these classes. For the grand finale, after you've passed these tests, you've passed the physical test, you've passed the, the three exams I was mentioning earlier just a second ago, the culmination was a one-night, all-night-long event called Battle Stations. You'd run around, participate in different activities, 
firefighting was one. You had to get gassed, the gas mask. One of those, I think, might have been shooting a gun, too. I know we went and learned how to shoot a gun at one point. I remember that because they said, once this gun is loaded, if you turn around, I will fucking shoot you. I have authority to shoot you if you turn around. And if you turn around, I will kill you. Yeah, okay, guy. No, no, Nobody believes you. I mean, obviously, we're not going to turn around with a gun. But the chances of you actually shooting somebody are, are 0%. I don't know why everybody... That's one thing. I had it in the afterward section, but I'll mention it now. It's like everybody's young in boot camp. Everybody's 18 or 20. They all have that mentality. Oh, I, you drink, you drink 28 beers. I, I drink 35. Yeah. Well, I drank 42. God, just, just shut up. No, you didn't. Nobody cares. Nobody's impressed. Oh, you were a big drug dealer. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe that's why that RDC, I say that he's an idiot. Maybe he just never, even though you're 32, however old he was, I don't know. Even though you're that old, you've only been ingrained in this young culture. The oldest people there, the oldest people there have been in 30 years and you started when you were 18, so you'd be 48. Most people that I work with right now are over 48. 48 isn't, in the big scheme of things, 48 isn't all that old. Most people aren't 48. Almost none of them are 48 would be when you leave for sure. Most people are leave at 20. So you, 38 would be old. I'm 38 right now. Now that I think about it, I guess I joined in 2003. I'd be almost out if I were going to do my 20. Okay, I got on a huge sidetrack. People were young. People were dumb. It was annoying. I remember the gun because the guy was stupid. That was part of this battle stations. We would go around and do these events. If you have to do it for battle stations, you have to be able to complete it for battle stations, which means you have to be trained on it before you get there. The last set of training we would go through, the last big training area was for the graduation. For the graduation ceremony, you had to march. We had to march in. They would play these songs. We had I'm pretty sure we had to sing Anchors Away as a big group. We had to learn the, the words to that. They would play. One of them I still remember was do da da do da da do da 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 They would play a trumpet or whatever stupid band instrument that I don't know what it is. They would play that tune on a trumpet. Somebody that was in charge of our, like the recruit who was in charge, they had a sword and it was pull it up, do the da, grab the tip, do it. And that last little bit, do it. And when that happened, the first little bit, somebody was moving their sword around, grabbing the tip and then putting it in a certain position. Everybody else had to know at that point when they make this noise, this is when we all in unison go from standing at attention to standing at parade rest or vice versa. Very choreographed. We had to learn it. It sucked. For the inspections, going back to the beginning, even the fit for full duty, we had to stencil every garment. (laughs) I actually still have my 
peacoat. I was trying to find the stencils in it. Everything was weird. They would talk about go to the end seam and on the third seam that's a diagonal, go to the one above that two inches from the outside, place your stencil four inches. It was really weird. I don't know anything about seams. I've never talked about how my clothes are stitched together. Wasn't something my dad and I chatted about. They were purposely very specific in an odd way. Nobody really understood. If you had a question, you could ask them. They would come over and proceed to tell you how fucking stupid you were, that you're a joke, and I hate you, and I can't believe you can't figure this out. Maybe they might tell you. Like You had to have balls to ask. If you did it wrong, they would come over and tell you the exact same thing. I mostly just closed my eyes and prayed. I'm not going to call you over to yell at me because I didn't hear. I'm just going to do it and hope that uh, everything works out in the end. When I was saying we had these little locker inspections, your underwear had to be folded a certain way, iron flat. Your underwear had to be stenciled in a certain way. My peacoat, I was looking for it. It was on the inside of an inside pocket. There's a label. On that label, you're supposed to put your last name. There's a place where you had to put some other information down at the bottom. In the middle, apparently, you had to put your division, and I put 061. That's how I knew I was in 061. I was pretty sure I was in 061 or 063 because I remember my sister division was 062, but I couldn't remember for sure. So I'm not, I guess I'm not that bad. I'm trying to redeem myself a little bit after talking trash on myself. When, as part of this, and like I said, the stencils were worse. If you made a mistake, they might beat you. Or I said the cool guy, he would just punish you himself. They called the beatings a punishment. I called the punishment a beating. When you were getting punished through calisthenics, that was beating. They'd say, you know, all you're going to mean is you're going to talk when I'm talking, push the racks back. It's a big room. Racks next to lockers. The lockers were by the head you would you were able to push the feet of your racks i went to the old school ones i don't i don't know how they are i think they're different now you'd push the feet and they would go kind of to where the head used to be you'd create all this open space and then they would say eight counts begin mountain climbers begin squats begin they would count them out up down up down up down if you slack they'd come yell in your face that was a beating that was a group beating the cool guy he would say oh you're talking about i'm talking go in the corner and beat yourself (laughs) it always made me laugh then he would look over there every now and again he would see you slow down as you get tired better hurry it up specifically I remember one guy dude you're making me mad you don't want me to come over there and do it for you go beat yourself go faster they also had these cards They would pull them out. They would look at them. Oh, we're not supposed to do anything more than this card says. We have no idea what's on the cards. Maybe the card says don't make anybody do more than 50 push-ups at a time. And they would laugh as they made you do a lot more than 50 push-ups. They would say, we're going to make this place sweat. Push the racks back. Everybody on the inside is so hot and sweaty that the walls end up having some of this moisture on them. I don't know if that happened in the summertime or if it was just because it was wintertime. 
the dumb guy, I guess I'm on a tangent here. This is all about beatings. <laughs> the dumb guy, he again, he was always saying dumb stuff just to make himself be cooler or something. I don't really understand. Apparently, he always wanted to be tough and he never was. He would come, you don't know me, you don't know me, yell at you. He would say, somebody's going to quit today. I'm doing this until somebody quits. Of course, nobody was going to quit. It was a ploy. He was just saying it to make himself sound tough. Well, there was one guy. One guy just lost it one day. We're doing this till somebody quits. He says, fuck you, I quit. And he stands up to quit. And the guy comes over and runs at him. He would always do that step real quick and get in your face. He walks up to him real quick. Oh, you quit, you quit. Fuck you. Yeah, I quit. And then the chief comes over. No, no, this is bad. If this dude quits, they're going to be in big trouble. And then they're going to ask the kid, why are you not going to be in the Navy anymore? Also, when I was going for EP, uh, I'll tell that story in a second. It was down between me and this guy to be the EPO, the education petty officer. He, I know for a fact he scored, he did well on the ASVAB. He did about as good as me on the ASVAB. He probably could have gone nuke, but went and he was going to be a cryptologist or something. Point being, they don't want to, they, they want everybody to get through so long as they can. They don't want anyone to quit. They don't want anyone to quit because the RDC said, I'm doing this till somebody quits, so I just decided, fuck it, I'm out. And if they did want somebody to do that to, they wouldn't pick a guy who was smart. They would pick a freaking, the, the lowest of the low. The guy who wasn't smart enough to get a rate. That's who they would want to kick out. They wouldn't want to kick out the smart guy. It was complete wrong on all levels. I remember being there, sweating, laughing, how dumb this guy was. Because he was so fucking stupid. He almost made a guy quit in boot camp just to be tough. The guy totally outsmarted him. Totally outsmarted him. They came up to you said, oh, you quit? Yeah, fuck you, bitch. I quit, motherfucker. He was just going off on the RDC. And the chief and the, the, the guy's looking at the chief like, oh, no, obviously I fucked up. The chief's like, no, 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 you're fine. You're fine. And he's like, no, you said I had to quit. I'm, I'm going to do, you said that we're doing this to, we're a team. You said we're a team and you got to act what's good for the team. And you said everybody, and I'm going to do what's right for the team. I fucking quit. I'm walking out of here right now. You just have to tell me the fucking direction. Like he's going off. It was awesome. Totally awesome. They took him from that scenario took him into the room they got him a water probably rubbed his shoulders i don't know he missed the next hour of getting beat the rest of us sweating our asses off he's chilling in the office watching some movies guy's a freaking idiot another reason you'd get beat you could walk around boot camp you could walk around boot camp if you had a reason to like I think I said, we all, a lot of people got their wisdom teeth pulled. You'd have to walk there yourself. They wouldn't want march the whole division, drop one guy off. It's not a carpool. When you went to that appointment, a random RDC, a person could stop you, 
make sure you are wearing that uniform of the day. If you were wearing something different, it would be a hit. It would go against your division. They'd be mad at you. You would get punished, or maybe the whole group would be punished. Oh, I just remembered another one. At one point, we had this guy who sucked. He was freaking disgusting. He had just boogers all over his pillow. He would sit across from me. I don't like mayonnaise. They had all the condiments in the kitchen, just out, or excuse me, in the, in the, on the mess decks. In the galley, maybe they called it. They just had mayonnaise and whatever sitting in squeezy bottles on the table. He would grab the mayonnaise sitting directly across from me, fill a whole compartment up with nothing but mayonnaise, grab a spoon, and just take a bite of plain, warm mayonnaise. It's disgusting. This guy kept messing up, doing all sorts of dumb stuff. He was an idiot. He sucked. They assigned people to him. The reason he got out of boot camp was because, for example, I went through for these inspections and ironed everybody's underwear so that we wouldn't get hit and then everybody would all get punished. At one point, we all got beat because he left of his own accord, went somewhere, went to the, he was hungry, went to the galley by himself, got caught. I don't, it was something really dumb like that. They told him, well, you only think of yourself, huh? You only think of yourself. They made him sit in the chair and they made everybody else do push-ups. They made everybody else do push-ups and sit-ups. Eight counts, mountain climbers. It sucked. We also wore these wool black sweaters sometimes. We were wearing those that day. It's just miserable, awful, hot. That guy actually was such an idiot. He made these noises. Just weird stuff. He didn't, he, I've met somebody who had Tourette's who would make noises every now and again. This wasn't like that. He just made noises because he was bored. We all got punished multiple times as... Some RDC, some chief walked by. We're all supposed to be standing there quietly. He's making these weird noises. Nobody could figure out who it was, really, at first. Nobody admitted that, oh, it was me making the noise. You're not going to say, but that chief walked by. He must have just been hearing things. Nobody believes that. We would all do push-ups. Eventually, we'd all... Figured out it was kind of him. I think. I don't remember the exact order of events. But one day, we're standing out there. We had just, the last time we left, we came back and got punished because somebody was talking and making noise in line when we were supposed to be quiet. I see a chief walking by. You can see them. They're people. They walk. This dude's making some dumb noise. I can't turn around and tell him to shut up because then they would say it was him who was talking and I would be in trouble for trying to get this other guy to shut up. I, I was so pissed off. Whenever we came back from wherever we were going, everyone would stand in front of a rack. You're supposed to be in front of your rack. Normally that's what would happen. 
the difference being we had males and females. We just went and picked a rack and stood by it. I walked in. He's standing in front of a rack. I just got right in his face. I don't even remember what I was saying. Probably filled with the F-bomb. I was so close. I, I, I remember slightly saying, I want to kill you so bad right now. Do not ever stand outside and make another noise. I'm tired of doing push-ups because you won't just shut up. Nobody wants to hear it. One of my friends pulled me back and pushed me uh, back against the rack where I you know, found me a spot by him and, come on, man, we got to, you can't be doing this. I look over, the cool RDC, the cool guy, he was down at the other end. He'd walked by, so he heard me going off on this guy. He was like, I'm okay with it. That's why he was the cool one. The other guys would have said, well, if he makes noise, we're going to punish you because you need to police yourself. But here you are policing yourself, so now we're going to punish you because you can't talk to somebody like that. All right, let's see here. Where am I at? Okay, so I had this tangent on the beatings, but what I was actually talking about was the stenciling. The stenciling, we would get beat a lot for that as part of these inspections. And as part of these inspections, sometimes we would we would stand at attention and wait for someone to come. There were different levels of officers and enlisted who might be giving these inspections. They would ask random people questions. They would look through your little locker to make sure they were, things were right. They would look through your uniforms to make sure they were stenciled right. They would check your rack to make sure it was made right. They would look at you while you were standing there. At times, it would just be your sister division's RDCs in and out over real quick. Other times, somebody important. They would always tell us, you might be standing at attention for hours. And when you do, don't lock your knees because you'll fall over. Everybody laughed. And I saw a dude faceplant. <laughs> I don't remember how long we had been standing. It was a long time. A whole afternoon, basically. We were standing at attention. And part of the way through it, this guy, he was diagonal from me. I could see his face the whole time. He, we're kind of like, oh, this sucks. No, nobody wants to talk too much because you don't know when they're going to come in. There is some freedom, though. When every, all the RDCs are gone for a minute, you know, you kind of say something real quick, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm looking at this guy. He starts looking. He's saying, I don't feel good. He's looking kind of pale. Hey, hey, buddy, don't lock your knees. little time goes by he fall he fell and landed directly on his face it was freaking scary <laughs> if you've never seen somebody just fall and land directly on your face it's surreal it's scary i mean you put your arm but normally you put your arms out or you're maybe if you got you watch the mma and somebody gets punched in the face and gets knocked out their knees bend and they you know, sort of sit down this dude was straight as an arrow, right over the toes. The face was the first thing that hit the ground. I'm surprised he didn't have to lose any teeth. So as part of these inspections, 
We also had a guy tell a very harrowing story. They're trying to motivate you. It's, sometimes they're trying to motivate you. Sometimes they're t- telling you that you suck. Sometimes they're just trying to get you in shape. Sometimes they're t- trying to get you to learn. They had this chief come in. I'm sure it was him because he had this crazy story that nobody else had. This other guy came in. We'd never seen. It was at nighttime. He says, look, I know you guys are over here saying this is bullshit. We're, we're folding skivvies. This isn't about folding skivvies. And he proceeds to tell a story about how there was an elevator. I don't remember what kind of an elevator, what it was. It was tagged out or maybe it wasn't. I, don't, I didn't even know what that was at the time. But somebody does something they shouldn't have done. This elevator closes and cuts some kid in half or some guy cuts him in half. The elevator was that had cut him in half was the ledge like a step is slightly above the ground and if that step had cut you in half it would be keeping your internal organs inside of you the story was somebody had done something this elevator cuts him in half but that elevator is what's keeping his internal organs inside him and when they raise that elevator he's going to die And everybody knows it. But they got to raise the elevator. They had the chaplain come over and, what do you want us to tell your mom? (laughs) So it's not just about iron your skivvies. It's learning about how to take orders because you don't want to kill somebody. He did a better job telling the story because I obviously don't know the story. He did a great job. He can still remember it. EPO. We had these different positions of authority inside the recruit um, divisions, right? I guess recruit division commander, recruit division. I mean, that'll make sense. It didn't matter what you joined as. For example, I was an E3. I didn't wear E3 because I wasn't in the Navy yet. I was simply a recruit. We were all recruits, even though some of us were E1s, some E2s, some E3s. You could be in charge of the division. You could be second in charge of the division. There were other, one of them was the laundry guy, right? Towards the beginning, in the very beginning, we're all sitting three abreast in the female birthing where our office was. They start asking, who wants to be this? Who wants to be that? Never again volunteer yourself. I wasn't volunteering. It got to be there was a position for the education petty officer. The main one was a female because she was in that birthing, but they needed an education petty officer, like a secondary one, for the male 
section in the other room. I did not want to do anything, but I ended up <laughs> I ended up being stuck with this, voluntold. How it went down, they asked for a male volunteer and nobody raised their hands. Secondly, they asked, who got the highest score on the ASVAB? In my mind, I don't know what everybody else got. That's a great reason for me not to raise my hand. They kept asking. I kept not raising my hand. Neither did anyone else. They went, grabbed the list, I guess, looked at everybody and found the two people. The chief said, find me the two people who had the highest ASVAB score. They come out. It was me and another guy. We got about the same score. I don't remember. Then they asked us our rake, our rank, our rate. Sorry. I, the other guy said, you know, cryptologist or whatever. I don't remember. He's the guy, he's the guy who, who, who totally punked him on the, we're going to do this and somebody, somebody quits. Okay. I quit. No, no, no. You quit. You want to quit? Yeah. Yeah. You want to quit? Yeah. Yeah. I do want to quit. No, 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 we don't want you to quit. That's fine, because I'm going to do it anyway. Okay, we're sorry. Um, I really didn't mean that. I take it all back. <laughs> that was him. And they said, who's going to be the EPO? And I'm thinking, oh, great. I think I had a higher score than him by a point or two. Please don't just go by the score. Then they said, what's your rate? He said, cryptologist. It's like, oh, that sounds pretty impressive. Like, I'd, I'd go with that. They said, what's your, what, what about you? I said, nuke. Without hesitation, the guy says, the nuke, you're the EPO. I think if the other guy had been a nuke and had a lower score and I'd been a cryptologist, I think he would have picked the nuke. It has a, has kind of a, I'll say when I went to boot camp, a handful of people, not everybody, they'd say, oh, are you from Texas? Fuck those people from Texas. Steers and queers, whatever they said on. I guess that's another thing about boot camp. I heard a lot of funny stuff. Then I went back and watched Full Metal Jacket again. I didn't, I'd seen it a couple times before boot camp, but it wasn't, I didn't go through and memorize the whole beginning of it. We went back, I remember in A school and watching it. Oh, this stuff was funny, but you all got it from a movie. You all got it from somebody else. One of them was. Guy, guy comes in, drop your cocks, grab your socks. That made me laugh. I was disappointed to find it in a movie. Oh, yeah, you're not funny. You just copied somebody else. Steers and queers, same thing. A lot of people would go off on people from Texas. Oh, you're from Texas. They'd single you out. They'd start making jokes. I don't know. Part of it is probably a little bit self-deserved because some people are uber. Nobody from Illinois is. Illinois is, not Illinois. I don't want to say nobody. I might be excessive. There are a certain minority of people who are excessively proud of being from Texas. Maybe they, and I think they kind of ruin it for everybody else. Everybody else is also proud of being in Texas. But there's a certain just boisterous group. Maybe other states kind of lack. Maybe that's why they get singled out. But Nuke has this sort of... I didn't see anybody get called out from being from New Jersey. I didn't see anybody get called out from being from Nebraska. I didn't see anybody get called out from being Oregon. Only people got called out from being from Texas. My point is there's this sort of aura or mystique that's 
a little bit different about being a nuke. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how all that works. I only know the world I was in. I can't tell you why this chief said, oh, without hesitation, nuke, that's all I needed to know. I'm just taking a guess and saying that I do feel like there was a little bit. For example, I mean, I didn't even, I couldn't even say I was an electrician's mate. If you ask me now, what was your rate? I'm an electrician's mate, nuclear. But I didn't know that because it was a needs of the Navy thing. They, they took your test score and what the Navy needed and they put you in a rate. Everybody else kind of picked beforehand. That's kind of how I became the education petty officer. The first go around, I set up a whole bunch of tests, a bunch of studying. People were maybe worried about pa- I don't I don't remember a whole lot about how it went down other than I had a handful of people. I had different study groups. I had test questions we were supposed to be going over. I'd go from group to group. Anybody who was really struggling, I specifically studied with on our own time. When we had those minutes in between, okay, we got 12 minutes, 15 minutes, 40 minutes between A and B, you guys have some time to kill. I would go study with, okay, let's go over these questions. I'd ask them over and over again until they got it. We ended up having a great success on our first test. All of the RDCs said, wow, I guess we have a smart group. I don't know. All of the kids said, oh, we've nailed this. I don't need any help with this because I did such a great job the last time. The studying went to crap. I tried a little bit, but, you know, I who am I? I can't force people to do anything. <laughs> we basically bombed the second test and all the RDCs were like, what? What just happened? Well, you know, turns out when you don't, have everybody study and specifically have people studying with the guys who are struggling. Turns out those guys do worse. Who'd have thought? There were a couple guys who stu- who I studied with for all three of the tests and they passed all three of the tests and that, that did make me feel good. One time as EPO, I, I was kind of mentioning people would come and give you a hit. One time as EPO, I had to maybe I don't I don't know what the the female EPO was doing but I had to take somebody to go get a test. I was like, "Crap. I'm just trying to hide under the radar as long as I can. I don't want anybody to even know that I exist." They didn't even know that I was the male EPO until that moment and they were like, "Who are you again?" Who's the male EPO? I I, I don't know. What's your name? <laughs> didn't know who I was. I was like, "Yes." Well, I took this guy. We go take the test. After the test, we go to get some dinner because it was dinner time. As we're there, there's a person who is looking at your clothes, your little pass, making sure everything's legit before you go eat. He's giving people, okay, you have a mistake with this. You have a mistake with that. Everybody who's coming in, he's finding a mistake with. We looked at each other. We just bounced. Dude, we're skipping dinner. (laughs) That was... That was kind of the, I think that's a good ex- uh, show of how much it sucks to do a whole bunch of push-ups to get everybody in trouble, to have people yell at you, that when you're hungry, you'll just, yeah, I think I'm okay, but I might not be. I'll skip dinner. Battle stations. Battle stations 
is the rite of passage transitioning one from a recruit to a sailor? You're officially in the Navy. Before battle stations, you wear a hat. It says recruit on it. It's a big deal. They give you a hat. It says Navy. You don't refer to yourself a recruit anymore. You refer to yourself as a sailor. It's pretty noticeable, too. When you line up to go into the galley, there's, gosh, I don't remember. I think what happens is there's you're three abreast when you march, so you're thin, but there's two kind of blocks, and this, the second block can go to the right. That would make three and then six, so maybe you're six abreast. As you're walking in, when the last person in one row, what did we call them? I don't know, I don't care. When the last person in a row is walking by the first person in the next row, they need to let the other person know, they need to communicate, in order for the next person to know, I need to start walking. When you walk by, you'll say, last recruit. Or there's one guy who couldn't say his R's. Was recruit. When you're past battle stations, you say, last sailor. This sort of being the last one is constant. I can't remember if there's other times when you refer to yourself. It's a big deal. You have a different head. It's noticeable how you talk to each other. Battle stations, that's where you go around traveling from event to event. A lot of, as I said, boot camp is learning to fight a fire, learning to the gas mask. You have to get gassed that night. I, we, we went and learned to trust your equipment and learn to trust that the gas mask is going to save you. We went to this area. I don't remember. It's weird. We get our gas masks. We wipe them all down. Put your gas mask on. Based on your height line, you go into the room. You shut the door. They fill it up with, they fill it up with, Whatever gas they use, I don't know anything about it. I'm at the very back. I'm one of the last people in the last row. The door was on the right, so I'm on the far left in the last row. As the drill, as the situation unfolded, it occurred that the people, the first group, would step up, take their masks off, stand there. You had to stand there for, say, 10 seconds. I don't recall. Breathe in this stuff. It's not deadly, but it makes your nose run and it sucks. Then they would open the door. They could leave. Next group would step up. It was a time-consuming process. My gas masks, my gas masks, my gas mask had a hole in the eye. I noticed because my eyes started to hurt and it sucked, you can't do anything. You're wearing a mask. You can't reach in and rub it or anything. 
just sat there suffering group after group after group. By the time my rogue got to the front, I had been dealing with this the whole freaking time. It didn't, it didn't affect me when I took it off, really. A little bit, but not a lot. Maybe 50% more. Instead of nothing to, oh my God. So yeah, I guess you could say I didn't learn to trust my equipment. We did the gas mask thing. What else did we do? I said we, we shot guns earlier. Yeah, you travel around from station to station. Actually, I think there was four, five, six, seven, eight. I don't know. There was a handful of groups because I was the education petty officer. Actually, because of that, too, I slept in a very specific rack. We wore a collar device, they call it. It's just, it was like the an E4 or an E5 symbol. I don't remember. A crow with a chevron. I think the other guys had a crow with two chevrons, or I, I don't recall. It's been so long. But my position was actually one that was kind of higher up. I had to, the, the, I don't remember if I, the number one or the number two person, one of them had to be a girl, one of them had to be a guy. The number one or number two, I was with the, I slept in the same rack as the guy who is the highest ranking guy in our group and that was because that's was designated to us if you are this position you sleep here everybody else went through names numbers I don't know I had to sleep in a specific rack because I was the EPO when we decided okay we the the recruit leadership said look we have to memorize these scripts we have to do certain things different activities require different levels of knowledge and sometimes there's a person who looks out for other people and sometimes there's not. Let's divvy up. Let's divvy up. Let's give everybody a role. We know what everybody needs to say or not everybody. We know what each position needs to say. We have all the scripts for everything that night. So assign everybody roles. You work on your role. When we get to this event, you do your part that you've practiced. That that makes sense. We get to battle stations. It's the first event. First event is how to lay out line. You're a ship. You're coming into port. There are several important things about coming into port. I never had to do it. My dad always likes to give me hell. You can't tie a knot. You don't know what you're doing. I said, Dad, there's no there's no knots on a nuclear reactor. This laying out the line and using the rope, that's where you do different knots and dip the eye. That's a thing. I don't You wrap it around. Well, whatever. I can't even. I could describe it. It would be boring and stupid, and I'd, I'd probably jack it up anyway. But there are certain rules. If you're on an actual ship, the ship deck is rough so that your shoes will have grip if it's wet and the ship is bouncing up and down in the waves. It's not a smooth, a super smooth, slick surface. That would be dumb. If you're on a ship and there are big waves and it's rough and you put your knee on the deck, it can injure your knee. They don't want you to put your knee on the deck. 
They don't want you to stand over the rope. If the rope comes shooting out, you know, maybe it shot out of the end of the cannon, and it and you're standing over it, and it raises up in the air. This could, this can be a problem. I think there's other rules too because the rope can snap. At any rate, most important one is don't step over the rope. Don't put your knee on the deck. I knew that. I knew what everybody was supposed to do at each of the positions. There was also some words that needed to be said. I had memorized these words. I'm theoretically, I'm in charge of this group. That's what the recruit managers had said. We get to the first event. They say, who's going to be the guy in charge for the recruits? Who's going to, who's going to play? Who wants to play the role of commanding officer? Whatever. I'm in a group of, say, 25 people. Ten of them raise their hand. We did all this extra practice. Everybody was there for it. We all did it together. At the moment when it was time to perform the actions that you practiced, you just threw all the practice out the window. Great. Okay. Whatever. I ended up getting this job as one of the people laying out the line. No big deal. Except for I'm across from a guy who has absolutely no idea what the hell is going on. He can't do it at all. He keeps stepping over stuff. Basically, what you do is you snake it. You start a rope. You come up to the right. You curve it down to the left. You curve it back to the right. You curve it back to the left. You don't have the rope on top of itself. It's just laid out, snaked back and forth. But you have to work with somebody. He's taking it all sorts of different directions. He's stepping over the rope. He's on his knees. Constantly telling him, get off your knees. Don't step over the line. Blah, blah, blah. You're doing it wrong. After, I don't know, a few minutes, five minutes, this guy just completely jacking it up 100% of the time. I, 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 put, I need to reach over and grab something because he's screwing it up. It happened real quick, too. I was on my knees like a catcher. I wasn't on my knees. I was on my feet like a catcher. I leaned forward. I needed more movement, so I put my knee on the deck and reached out. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm actually yelling at the guy, not nice things. What are you doing? Reach, and then one of the observers comes over. Oh, you put your knee on a deck. That's a hit. Like, great. This guy's made 48 mistakes. He should have already failed the night. But you just happen to notice it when I do it. Whatever. I should say, I don't know that if I have, you You only got three. So it's a three strikes, you're out rule. If you get three strikes, you're not, you failed the battle stations and you get rolled back. I'm not really worried about it. Just annoying. After the event, I'm the first person in, in our group. It's the first event. I'm the only one who got an X, I believe. That dumb RDC, the dumb, the dumb guy. 
he comes over and he starts, oh, you got your first hit. They would always ask too, who are you? What's your name? What's your rate? He asked me my rate. I said, nuke. Oh, oh my gosh, you're a nuke. You got the first hit. He gets it stuck in his mind. Even though at the beginning when they selected me as EPO, I told him I was a nuke. They totally forgot who I was, didn't remember me. We're now in battle stations at the end, the next to last week, the beginning, end, end of the whatever. It's been weeks. He finally figures out for the second time that I'm a nuke. Decides to give me hell about it all night long every time he sees me. Oh, you're a nuke, blah, blah, blah. Later on that night, I'm standing in line waiting for something to happen. The... The dumb guy is standing by the cool guy. Bored, I guess. He walks up to me. You're that nuke, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, petty officer, that's me. I bet you think you're so smart, don't you? I have no idea how smart everybody else is, petty officer. Well, I bet you think you're smarter than me, don't you? Petty officer, I don't know you. He was always running around saying, I don't know, you don't know me, you don't know me. Petty officer, I don't know you. What saved me, I think, was the cool guy standing right beside him. Just lost it. He just laughing, laughing directly in this guy's face. I mean, I, I got him, I got him good. That actually wasn't even the best, the best time I got him. That was just in front of me and whoever happened to be standing in that small little group who's listening, probably not late in the morning. After the whole situation was over, it's, we've passed battle stations, but we haven't done graduation yet. They would bring us into the female birthing. We'd be sitting three abreast, guys in one section, girls in the other. I happen to be way in the back where I liked to be. This one guy's talking. I forget what he's saying. Some nonsense. He calls out my name, says something. It ends up, he looks at me saying, Lancaster, you're probably the smartest person I know. I always like to roll with a joke. With as much earnestness as I could muster, I said, thank you, petty officer. That that really means a lot. He's kind of walking. He pacing from one side to the other, one side to the other. There's three and then a path and then three side by side or something like that. He's walking back and forth at the front of this room. He looks back at me after I said, yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. Says I'm being facetious. Yeah, I, I know. You do know what facetious means, don't you? Kind of chuckled. Yes. Yes, I know what facetious means. He's walking back and forth and back and forth. He starts talking again. It's maybe halfway through his second sentence. 
stops dead in his track, looks back at me. What does it mean? What does facetious mean, Lancaster? Facetious means like when you're really super duper serious about something. What? What? He's jumping up and down, going from one side to the other. He says what? Seven times in a row. What? What? And he's looking back at me. What? Are you serious? At that point, I was just laughing. No. And then everybody, all 150 people, the chief, the asshole, the cool guy, everybody in the room just died laughing. Like it was the best Seinfeld joke anybody had ever seen. I don't know. It, it was the best. I punked him. I punked him better than probably anyone. That, I mean, it, it can't get any better. It was so awesome. All right, so that guy's an asshole. So we go through battle stations. We did a bunch of practices. We learned how to do all these events. We stayed up all night, run an obstacle course, learn all these chants. We're singing and doing stuff and, and, and passing and partaking in events and laying out line and pretending to put out a fire and getting mustard gassed and all this other stuff. We make it through. Because we've already passed our tests. We've already passed our physicals. We've already passed all our inspections. We get through the night. Afterward, we have a couple days, I don't know, to get lectures about this and that still, mostly from the RDCs. You guys have made it. We still have to practice for our graduation. Make sure. Maybe that downtime was really supposed to be used for that. But we did have a little bit of downtime. After we pass battle stations, we're feeling great. I was the only nuke in my in 061. In 062, there were three of them, I think. At least, there might have been a fourth, but there were three of them for sure. The three, well, yeah, there were three. The th so when we left, when I got out that night, what... We graduated. We have to go to A school. It ended up being me, three other guys that were in 062, and one other guy. And I couldn't remember if that one other guy ended up being he, the, the other guy. He ended up being my roommate through all of A school. And I couldn't remember if he was in that other division or not. But now that I'm remembering the story I'm trying to tell, he wasn't there. We all felt great. I think I told us earlier about the integrity, doing the right thing even when nobody's looking. We had gone earlier to see the nukes, we had to talk to them. We didn't have rates yet. We did whatever, I don't know, came back. It was just part of the process of boot camp. If we have any nukes, this time, go here, do this. We did that, we came back. Later on, we're like, look, hey, we're not recruits anymore. We're mother effing sailors. Everything's different now. I got a new hat. We can go talk to that guy and we'll be like brethren instead of being recruits, right? We're in the Navy, right? Right? We decide we're going to go talk to this guy and maybe he can give us some information. Before we joined, they would say, you'd say, hey, can you have a car at nuke school? I don't know. I'm not a nuke. What's nuke school like? I don't know. I'm not a nuke. 
Nobody knew anything. You'd ask them a question, they didn't know. They didn't know at all. We thought maybe we could get some information. Then I could know what I need to do. Can I bring my stuff? How's this going to work? We're all excited. We think we're badasses. We put our Navy hats on. We don't have our recruit hats anymore. We get a hall pass to go march over and see this guy. We show up there. and That guy is like, what the hell are you guys doing here? Basically doesn't say anything. Is rude. Well, I don't know which one to tell you. I don't know what's going on. I just work here. That whole sort of a thing. Like, well, oh, I thought we were... I thought we were buddies now that we're all on the same side. This is clearly not the case. Nothing changed. Graduation ceremony. Last little bit. The main, what took up a lot of time for us was practicing for this graduation ceremony. You had to memorize who was going to say what, then the CEO gives a speech. Everybody's family's going to be there. You don't want to look like a bunch of jerk-offs. We got a flag that you have to march out, and the flag bearer has to do certain things. There's a head a head recruit, head division person, you know, officers. They had to march in certain spots. I wasn't high enough up for that. There was just a couple maybe. One of them had a sword or maybe two, I don't know, probably one. Sword seems like a one guy. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. It just seems swordy. Swordy's like one guy. I would only give one guy a sword and we give two a sword. Maybe a sword and a bazooka, but I'm badass. But the person with the sword had to do specific things for this when they were doing it. You had to get up in line. There was so many people. It all had to go perfectly. You had to learn how to march. You had to learn how to do a 45-degree angle, whatever that is. I don't even know. We had to do these facing moments. We had to know when to go into this position or that position, what those positions were, how it was. When we would be doing this, it always went poorly. Almost never did it end with us just going back to our racks. Job well done. That was one of the, that's one of the things from the, that's a saying from the boot camp ceremony. Ceremony. We would like to congratulate them on a job well done. Right when you say job well done, I forget exactly what you had to do, but I think it was a salute. Everybody suddenly would, at the same time, all the hundreds and hundreds of people would salute job well done. One boom. That's how it was. It was like you had to have a mental job well done. Pause, do it. Or anyway, I think so. So, that almost never happened. The more realistic scenario, they would tell us, job well done, pause, give a salute. March, this is the song. Left, left, left. Why are you talking? Why are you screwing this up? Push the racks back. Y'all are getting beat. That's pretty much how it went down. Every time we had to learn the stupid graduation crap, we would go get beat. Now, I didn't like that. 
And neither did a friend of mine, Harvey. And Harvey was the laundry petty officer. Everything in, like I was a education petty officer, everything in the names of PO. EPO. I don't know, LPO. Laundry PO. I don't know. In our little building, they had a washing machine up at the top and a dryer. We would see that it was, oh my God, what are we doing tonight? Oh God, we're learning the graduation ceremony. Harvey would say, dude, we got to wash. We got to find something to wash. <laughs> Before the ceremony, they would come up. Before the practice, we'd say, hey, we got this inspection, blah, 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 blah. Today, we're going to wash everybody's, and maybe we would pick something out of the little locker. We'd go and we'd wash it. Or we'd wash everybody's sheets. I remember one day, one day, we come in, we wash whatever we were going to wash. We put it all back up, get everything good to go. Go back to the birth. Now, when we were washing, we were doing like the male stuff. Our chief or our RDCs were in the female birthing. Everybody's doing the push-ups in the female birthing. We're in the male birthing. And mostly we're hanging out in the actual washroom, just sitting there watching 45 minutes go by, staring at the dryer. We just don't want to be in the thick of it. I remember one day we washed whatever we were going to wash. We come back down. As we were coming down for different loads, we could see them. Oh, oh they're doing push-ups now. Okay, cool. We came back. It had been so long. We just kept washing. Every time we come down, they're still doing calisthenics. It was brutal for them. We were chilling in the washroom. I looked at Harvey. I said, dude, what are we going to do? Like if we walk in right now, you know what you're walking into. Find your spot. <clears throat> Eight counts begin. Eight counts begin. Harvey looked at me and said, I said, dude, what are we going to do? We, you know, we washed all the, said we washed all the sweaters. Harvey, what are you going to do? We washed all the sweaters. Grab the white hats. Then we went in everybody's locker, grabbed everybody's white hat, did just kept washing. More loads and loads of laundry to prevent us from doing push-ups. That was probably <laughs> that was probably the highlight of my boot camp experience. Finding a way to get out of doing push-ups by continuing to do laundry. As part of the just marching in general, I think are practicing, they had cadence. They would sing cadence. I actually was listening to a Jocko podcast. I don't remember which episode it is. I'm like halfway through it because they're a couple hours long. But it's like this old French general talking about if you have the front of the line and the back of the line, when the first person stops, the back person might not stop. It's a whole issue. Turning a corner is an issue, blah, blah, blah. That's why there's cadence, and that's why they beat the drums so everybody march on the same step. And when you stop, you stop on the same step. People don't run into each other. I didn't know that. We didn't have drums, trumpets. Little drummer boy brought no gifts for us. 
we had this, we, and it, it started off, oh gosh, we had this girl. All she really wanted to do was be in charge of everybody. I think she might have been like ROTC. She started off with like left, 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 right, right, left. She couldn't really carry a tune, which was important to the Navy, apparently. They didn't like the way she did it. They ended up getting, they ended up telling her, because it was like an RPOC and an AROC. I don't even know what it stands for. One of them was the singer. One of them was in charge, vice versa. I don't know. Maybe one of them did both. Maybe they just picked somebody. But I think one of them was the singer and one of them, one of them gave them orders for movements. They told her she couldn't be this person in charge anymore. And the next day she says, yeah, well, I've, I've only got one kidney. It was something crazy. And then she was out of the Navy. She got kicked out of the Navy because she couldn't be the leader of her boot camp division. It was the weirdest thing. I don't know. Maybe part of that is false because that was a big rumor. It appeared to be true. But that what they would sing is they'd say, one, two, 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 a three, a four, a one, two, two, one, two, three, four, three, four, a one, two, a three, a four, two, a three, a four, a one, two, two. And I obviously, uh, having heard that, you know that I was never chosen to be that guy. But it was also there's also a, a a talent to it, leaving the right amount of space, because if you say one, two, 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 if the twos, the beat wasn't long enough. You couldn't match it, right? One and three was your left foot. Two and four is your right foot. So you had to make sure, okay, they're saying two. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, 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 three, four. I still obviously remember that song. I couldn't get that song in my head for years. I think it might be like a the song that never ends or something. That's the Barney song. It's the worst. It's got to be the worst. Pound. The meow mix. I'm trying to think of the horrible jingles. I grew up in Tulsa for a little while, at least. They had a Crow Brothers Toyota. Crow Brothers Toyota. Do, 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 do. Crow Brothers Toyota. I remember being ten years old. Looking at my mom, said, "I will never buy an effing car at Crow Brothers Toyota." Worst jingle ever. I, it, The one, two, three, four, I still get. I'll probably have it stuck in my head for a week now. You're welcome. We get through the whole graduation. My parents came for graduation. My dad sent me a picture of that the other day. My parents came to the graduation. That was cool. Afterward, there was a little subway. There was a little area you could go to. I don't we got to go sometimes and make phone calls. Um, but my parents came, bought Subway. It was like, so I always kind of ate a little here, ate a little there. I never overate. Just whatever I needed at that time. A few hours later, if I'm hungry, I'm going to eat it another little bit. I couldn't eat a whole Subway sandwich. I just never stuffed myself like that. I'd eat half later on. In a couple hours, I might go eat the other half. 
that was the first time I remember eating a whole meatball sub at once. And my mom was like, holy crap, you just ate a whole meatball sub. Yeah, well, I can only eat three times a day, and you got to shove it in all in a handful of minutes. I eat fast now. That's for a different reason. But that this started it. Yeah, and then, like I said, from there, that night, my parents came. We did the graduation. We said our goodbyes. I don't remember how, but we got to the airport. In the airport, it's me, uh, another guy who was kind of... Uh, ended up being my roommate. He was kind of in charge. Bazell was his. So it was me, Bazell, who was my roommate. And then Frediani, Whitwer, and Hartung were all my friends in A school. They all ended up being mechanics. Bazell and I were electricians. I don't remember when we found out, probably after we got to nuke school. But the three mechanics, they were all in, in 062, and then I was in 061. We knew each other a little bit. We knew that we were nukes. Bazell, I think he might have been ROTC or something. But he, for whatever reason, kind of, okay, I'm the, I'm the one with the, with the manila envelope that's our packet with our orders. Oh, no, our flight got delayed. I got to call somebody. Kind of took charge of it. That was cool enough. It was funny, though. I now know afterward. <laughs> I guess they probably, I wasn't on the T-track, they call it. I didn't do that for very long, two weeks, actually. Some people would did it for 11 months, something like that. Basically, they just called and some kid answered the phone and was like, okay, and hung up, and then that was that. <laughs> it wasn't like, we're worried we're going to go to prison if we don't give him a call. <laughs> You're just calling some guy who doesn't give a shit. We go to the hotel that night. We we it was so liberating just to not be in boot camp eating food at the chilies in the airport yes go to the hotel we watched i think it's like a Bruce Willis Tears of the Sun movie or something we noticed we had a we noticed we had a what do you call it? I can't think of the name. Mini bar. You notice we had a mini bar in there? Not a mini bar. But, uh, golly. The fr- the refri- there was a little refrigerator in there that was stocked. One of the slots had, or a couple of the slots, I don't know, had beer. <laughs> we, we all had a beer that night, like a celebration. Don't tell anybody. When we got our hotel bill we could submit it and get a refund for the hotel but it had on one of the rooms it had you know you bought four beers you know what how about you guys submit yours and I won't submit mine (laughs) I don't remember whose room was which but yeah that was kind of our that was kind of my celebration at the end having that that beer at the end, seeing my parents, being a sailor. It seems surreal now. It's 2021, and that was 2004. I would have gone in in November. It was nine weeks, I believe. It was, you know, January, February, something like that. Crazy. Time flies. I think 
that's pretty much all the boot camp stories. Ending. I think I said at the beginning I was planning on doing a different episode. I thought of some boot camp stuff. I wasn't sure how I was going to work all these stories in. Topical, chronological. You could do. You could imagine leadership could be one. Then I would tell us how not to do it because I would tell the story about my dumbass RDC wanting to be tough, even though I mean I guess I say even though nobody was impressed. I'm sure somebody was impressed. I don't want to be. I don't want to lie about it. But that's not a good way to do it. Yeah, I'm an E5 because I beat somebody up. You don't want to mess with me. Okay. Okay, guy. For the future episodes, my plan is to have... We went to this place. I'm going to tell stories about that place. Hopefully all of them. Singapore, Hong Kong, wherever. Not do it by... On this deployment, we went to this place and this place and that place. It's especially hard because I can't... I can't always remember. Okay, so I was in Hong Kong this time and this time. Maybe I was three times. I don't even remember how many times. But just pretend two. Say you say you went once in the fall of 07 and once in the spring of 08. In the winter of 08. Yeah, it's going to be hard to know which one, which one was which. Yeah, I might have. One about qualifications. The next one is going to be in Hong Kong, actually, which is what I was thinking about it because that's where the story that that Chris had sent me. Might do an episode on A school, me qualifying, becoming work center supervisor. I I, I kind of have a list, and then we'll end. I'll end the whole series. I already have one. <laughs> I already know what I'm going to do for the end. I know I already know it's going to be one of the best episodes. But yeah, the next episode, it's going to be on Hong Kong. That is all.